your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What up, what up, what up, Raider Nation? Welcome in to Tuesday's edition of the Lockdown Raiders podcast, December 29th, 2020. Getting close to the end of the year. I'll be glad to turn the calendar over to 2021, as many people will. But uh, yeah, just looking forward to it, uh, getting to the end of the year as we will come upon it on uh, on Friday. So I uh, want to give you a little bit of a, a programming note here for the podcast network. We're going to do similar to what we did last week for Christmas, where we have a Monday show, Tuesday show, Wednesday show, and then we'll close things out on Thursday. We won't have a Friday show. So just remember, Remember that. Keep that in mind. Monday through Thursday, we'll be here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. No Friday show. And then come Monday, we'll be back at everything. And that'll be January 4th. We'll be back full-fledged, you know, Monday through Friday. And we'll rock like that the rest of the, well, it'll be the new year. It'll be 2021. And we'll keep rocking like that uh, most most likely throughout the whole, uh, the whole calendar year. So uh, that's kind of what we do here around here. Uh, every day we do the show uh, off-season, uh, regular season, playoffs, it doesn't matter. We're going to do a show each and every day. So that's just kind of a little bit of programming uh, note for anyone who's a, a new booty to the game and might not have been uh, listening for a long time. And then there's some OGs that have been listening for a very long time and kind of know the routine by now. But just wanted to give you kind of a little bit of an update. Before I get into today's show, I do want to uh, thank the title sponsor, which is Pepsi. They've been a title sponsor many, many months uh, throughout the year so far. Uh, appreciate them. And thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, Fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they join another league, and that's the League of Football Watchers. This football season's different, so different. And Pepsi's been here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch it. So many people hit me up. It was like, Q, what, uh, what jersey was on the couch on, uh, on Saturday during game day? And I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't have any jersey on the couch. You know, I had had a Josh Jacobs on there for the longest. It was working until it didn't. Had a Derek Carr out there. It was working until it didn't. I put my own jersey out there. It never worked <laughs> so uh, I just I, I didn't have one on Saturday and well that didn't work either but either way Pepsi always works it's a refreshment you need to power through any game day Pepsi's not made for those who play the game it's made for those to watch it Pepsi made for football watching and make sure you go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi so with all that being said what's coming up on today's show is probably the question right Segment number three, a lot of feedback off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, the number 707-654-4693. Going to get as many of those calls and texts I can get in in segment number three. Got a lot of uh, quality feedback from Monday's show. Got a lot of quality feedback from over the weekend. Uh, got some feedback that wasn't quality. You know, I got an email from a guy who wasn't very pleased with the show on Monday. Uh, wasn't very impressed. Didn't think I said anything. And that's okay. The beautiful thing about this show is you don't have to agree with me. You could think that whatever I said is worthless. You could think that I didn't say anything. Like the like the emailer said, and you know that's cool. I'll respond when you give it to, you know hit me with the with the feedback. I'll respond with a smile and, and tell you why I disagree. But at the same time, I respect your opinion. Uh, no hard feelings around here. That's kind of how I roll. So uh, any feedback is always good feedback, and I try to get as much on the show as possible. So I definitely appreciate that. 707-654-4693. That'll come up in segment number three. Segment number two. I mentioned on Monday's show that I had an interview I did with former Raider and Browns head football coach Hugh Jackson. I actually did that interview on Christmas Eve. And it was funny, I, it had been like two weeks I had been trying to knock this interview out, and it all started because I was at a tailgate party uh, at Baylor. Actually, I did a, a show. I had done a, a pregame show before Baylor played one of their, I think maybe their last game of the season against Oklahoma State, and 
Uh, I went over to a tailgate after that uh, to prepare for the game, and uh, I started getting tweets about uh, Hugh Jackson and that 2011 team, and so I just kind of locked in on that conversation and started getting me thinking, like, I wonder what Hugh's doing these days. I know he's not coaching. I'm sure he's going to try to put his name in the hat in 2021, so I reached out to him. I reached out to him on Twitter, and believe it or not, he hit me back, like, immediately. He wasn't following me. I I wasn't following him, but I found him, and I said, hey, man, can you send me a direct message when you get a chance, and he hit me immediately and started following me. So I thought that was pretty cool. Anyway, long story short, we got into a conversation on Twitter and then we started exchanging emails. And so on Christmas Eve, he gave me some time, you know, and he hit me up actually on Christmas Eve that, that day and was like, hey, I know we're not supposed to talk to about three, but uh, do you have time right now? And I was like, yeah, of course, no doubt. You know, I'm not going to say no. You got to wait till three. So uh, I got that chance to talk to him and uh, you'll hear that conversation coming up at uh, in segment number two of today's uh, Locked On Raiders podcast. Again, about 10 to 12 uh, minutes conversation with Hugh Jackson but I thought it was a lot of good stuff so and just a little side note he is intending on being on the sideline in 2021 somebody's sideline but he does want to be on the sideline so you'll hear that conversation coming up in segment number two here in segment number one I'll give you the news and the notes of the day Uh, not a whole lot of stuff to get to nothing earth shattering John Gruden did have his media session I'm not going to let you I'm not going to put any of the sound on it today uh, because I think that you know at this point of the game when we know that there's only one game left in the season they're not playing for the playoffs we kind of know what you're going to hear from John Gruden and you can go to Raiders.com and check it out Uh, again they they have it on their YouTube page they have it on their Periscope and all that good stuff but I didn't really think there was anything earth shattering that I needed to bring to the table you know he said something about Henry Ruggs and the fact that uh, him not being activated from COVID-19 list until Friday had something to do with him from getting lack of targets and on top of that when he does get targets he's got to do something with it well he only got two targets he got one uh one end around that he did or one little jet sweep that he did on on uh on Saturday and then he got that deep ball thrown to him late in the game uh from Derek Carr and and maybe he had one more in the game but he didn't really have that many (laughs) that many targets anyway so I didn't think there was anything earth shattering to to listen or talk uh, about or hear from John Gruden about so I'm not going to put it on today's show I do got some other good stuff here for segment number one the news and notes though including this. And it's funny, I do this uh, Locked on Bets show with Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports, and I encourage you to check that show out if you get an opportunity. Lee, uh, he's great. He does a really good job. We were talking before we recorded the show on Monday about you know the Raiders losing that game to Miami, and he's actually a, a, he's in Miami, so he's a Miami fan. And he said that, Q, no joke, I have an app that he uses for you know some of his, his betting stuff and you know just being online with everything and knowing you know the percentages and the odds of things going on because that's, that's his business. He told me, he said, Q, when the Raiders kicked that field goal, and I know a lot of people aren't going to like this, when a lot of when the Raiders sat on the ball and they allowed the, the time to go all the way down and then they kicked the field goal to go up by two and then gave Miami the ball back on their 25-yard line with only 19 seconds left and no timeouts, the Raiders at that point in the game had a 99.8% chance to win the game. 998 that is ridiculous that they had that much of a chance to win the game and they still found a way to lose. So I know a lot of people are questioning if that was the right decision for John Gruden to, to make, uh, if, if sitting there and, and, and sitting on the, on the ball and, and not punching into the end zone was the right call. Clearly, with 99.8% chance to win the game, it was the right call. They just got in their own way and screwed it up. And so I, I, I didn't have a problem, and I mentioned on Monday, I didn't have a problem with uh, them sitting on it and kicking that field goal and not going for the touchdown. But, man, if you have a 99.8% chance to win, you've got to go ahead and put that thing home. You've got to win. You've got to find out a way to win the game. So I thought that was a pretty interesting note. Also wanted to pass along a note I saw on Twitter from uh, Warren Sharp uh, from Football Guys. He said, John Gruden now has a worse record than Jack Del Rio or Tom Cable 
And, and those are the most recent Raider coaches that also lasted to the end of their third year. Del Rio, after three years, was 25 and 23 overall with the 52.1% uh, of wins. Cable, 17 and 27, 38.6. John Gruden, after three years, 18 and 29, 38.3% uh, as far as winning percentage. Now, all those coaches, Del Rio, Cable, and Cruden, Gruden all have, I think, different circumstances in their, you know, in their time as the Raiders head coach. So I'm not going to say that they're all apples to apples, but it's still, you know, Del Rio got fired because he lost the locker room. Tom Cable, I never thought was a head coach. So he, you know, he ended up getting getting moved on from. John Gruden, I think, is a head coach. I, I talked about him in great length on Monday. Uh, I like John Gruden. I was one of the ones pounding the table for him to come back. I just think, it, you know, he might need an extra voice, uh, an extra, you know, set of ears and eyes in in the room, you know, and just to be able to contribute to the game plan on the daily. But uh, all three of those coaches made it to the end of their third year as, as the head coach of the Raiders. And John Gruden currently has the worst record overall. And I'm not saying that because I want him to get fired because he's not going to get fired. I've said that. And I gave the great reasons why on Monday, why he's not going to get fired. Uh, there's no way that Mark Davis is just going to say, all right, you're out and I'm going to eat that money and, <laughs> and go and hire another guy. That's just not going to happen. And, and I'm not advocating for it anyway. Uh, also wanted to bring to the table another little cool little nugget for something for to be paying attention to for this game against the, the Broncos on a, on Sunday, the final game of the season. Tight end Darren Waller needs eight catches on Sunday versus the Broncos to tie Tim Brown uh, uh, with all-time catches in, in franchise history. The, the eight will, will tie and nine will break the record. So I'm kind of looking forward to that, and I'm hoping that John Gruden and everyone else knows that that is uh, that is the record for the franchise, and and they decide to go ahead and and feed Darren Waller. I mean, Derek Carr feeds him anyway, but I really want them to be aware of what's going on and the fact that he what he has a the chance of doing. I think would be really really good. Again, eight to tie, and right now uh, Darren Waller is sitting there with ninety eight catches, so one hundred and six. Would make him uh, would make him tied with Tim Brown for the franchise uh, record in, in catches by a Raider, and nine would uh, would break the record. So he'd have to have 107. He had 90 catches in 2019, his first year, his first full year with the Raiders, and he's got 98 right now. He had a 1,145 yards in 2019, 1,079 so far in 2020, and has one game left to go. So that is one of the keys that I'll be watching to uh, watching for in this game on Sunday versus the Broncos. A lot of times people will say, "Well, what's what's the incentive what's the mo uh, the motivation to go out there and play and what's the motivation to watch this team go perform when they don't have nothing they're playing for that right there for myself is enough so I'll be looking for Darren Waller big number 83 to get nine catches I'm hoping for nine catches uh, from him on uh, on Sunday and uh, the final note that I wanted to bring to the table has nothing to do with the Raiders except for that it does uh, and a lot of people have seen this already floating around Twitter and a lot of people suggested I should have it on Monday's show but I just didn't have enough time to squeeze it into Monday's show I just felt like I, I better hold on to it and save it for uh, for Tuesday and that's J.J. Watt of the Houston Texans of course he's been around for a long time uh, but he, he, he went on a nice rant following the game following their loss on Sunday about feeling bad for the fans and why the job in the NFL is a privilege and not a right and why if you can't get fired up and you can't show up to to practice on time and you can't get to the weight room and do what you're supposed to do and get yourself prepared for the upcoming game then you shouldn't be doing it and you owe it to the fans to do it I thought it was really really cool so here's Texans defensive end J.J. Watt on feeling bad for the fan base. If you can't come in and put work in in the building go out to the practice field and work hard do your lifts and do what you're supposed to do you should not be here this is a job we are getting paid a whole lot of money there are a lot of people watch us and invest their time and their money into buying our jerseys and buying a whole bunch of 
If you can't come in and put work in in the building, go out to the practice field and work hard, do your lifts and do what you're supposed to do, you should not be here. This is a job. We are getting paid a whole lot of money. There are a lot of people that watch us and invest their time and their money into buying our jerseys and buying a whole bunch of And they care about it. They care every single week. We're in week 16 and we're at 4 and 11. And there's fans that watch this game, that show up to the stadium, that put in time and energy and effort and care about this. So if you can't go out there and you can't work out, you can't show up on time, you can't practice, you can't want to go out there and win, you shouldn't be here. Because this is a privilege. It's the greatest job in the world. You get to go out and play a game. And if you can't care enough, even in week 17, even when you're trash, when you're 4 and 11, if you can't care enough to go out there and give everything you've got and try your hardest, that's bullshit. So that's how. I just, I think it's, that's, there are people every week that still tweet you, that still come up to you and say, hey, we're still rooting for you. We're still behind you. They have no reason whatsoever to. We stink. But they care. And they still want to win and they still want you to be great. That's why those people aren't getting paid. We're getting paid handsomely. That's why. And that's. That's who I feel the most bad for is our fans and the people who care so deeply in the city and the people who love it and who truly want it to be great. And it's not. And that sucks as a player to know that we're not giving them what they deserve. So that was J.J. Watt right there talking about not giving the fans what they deserve. And that's something I talk about all the time. I mentioned it on Raider Nation Radio, uh, Silver and Black today on Monday that, you know what, at the end of the day, man, like the players, they all get their checks. They all, you know, go and do whatever they do. And, you know, after the season's over, they're going to, you know, do what they do in the offseason. That's fair. But the fan base is the ones that's always fighting and clawing and calling in the radio station and calling and listening to the podcast and bleeding silver and black no matter who's in the uniform, no matter who's representing the team. It doesn't matter. You know, there could be a guy on the team like say Trent Brown could be on the team this year and all of a sudden he's gone to another team next year well it doesn't matter because Raider Nation is still gonna gonna pull for whoever's sitting there at that right tackle position and whoever's at that right guard position and whoever's at that center position it doesn't matter that oh Trent Brown left now I'm not gonna be a Raider fan that's not the case I mean that you saw that when Khalil Mack was traded yes a lot of Raider Nation including myself was upset about it but uh, we all got over it, and we all decided, hey, you know what? We still rocking with the silver and black because that's our team, and, and that's what it is, man. The Raider Nation, and, and that's what you know, fanatics fans are. They're short for, for fanatics, and so you know they're passionate about their team. But Raider Nation just bleeds that silver and black a little bit more than any other fan base in, in, in the country, in my opinion. Just my opinion, which means you know it's my opinion. <laughs> so it, it's just it, it is what it is. But I thought it was refreshing to hear JJ Watt, a player, a well known player, a player who's made a lot of money in his career, uh, stand up and. and and, and represent the fans because I don't think enough of people do represent the fan base and exactly how they feel. Now, I'm not saying it's okay to go attack players on Twitter and go attack, you know, people on Twitter and, and, and talk bad about their families or whatever like that. Like I saw people attacking Lee Mayock, Mike Mayock's daughter, and, you know, different players, Damon Arnett and other players. It's just like that's that's going out of, that's out of bounds. That's That's, you know, too much, but... Again, there's a reason why I call Twitter and, and social media a cesspool, and that is a, a main reason why. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two, my conversation one-on-one with former Raiders and former Browns head football coach Hugh Jackson. You'll hear that next. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about betonline.ag. You know it's college football bowl season. You know the playoffs in the NFL is right around the corner. The NBA is back in, in, in full full throttle. They're doing their thing. So if you want to get in 
on the action. If you want to get off the sidelines and get into the action, you've got to do it with betonline.ag. It's the one place that's got you covered. It's the one place that we trust. And right now, if you sign up for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On, you're going to get 50% welcome bonus uh, on your first deposit. That's 50% welcome bonus so again get off the sidelines man get yourself into the action locked on is the promo code betonline.ag is the website and they're going to get you hooked up uh, on your first deposit with a 50 percent welcome bonus if you're on social media uh they're good guys they're not part of the cesspool you can check them out uh at betonline underscore ag again take advantage of the best bonuses in the business sign up for a free account and use the promo code locked on that's betonline.ag segment number two my conversation with hugh jackson is coming up next here on the locked on raiders podcast your locked on raiders your daily podcast on the las vegas raiders part of the locked on podcast network your team Every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Again, on this December 29th, 2020, about to jump into my conversation I had on Christmas Eve with former Raiders and former Browns head football coach Hugh Jackson. Most of this conversation is about the 2011 team. That was a team that I always admired, uh, thought that they had a lot of players on there that might have been playing a little bit uh, above their skis, you know, and what I mean by that is playing a little bit even better than they expected to play. Uh, I thought Hugh Jackson did a really good job of making players putting them in really good possession position to maximize who they were as football players. I really did respect that a lot. Thought that Jason Campbell, if he had never got injured, uh, that team could have been a lot better than they ultimately were. Uh, the Raiders had to trade for Carson Palmer, and we all know how that shook out after that. That was also the season that Al Davis passed away, and uh, that emotion from that game in Houston when uh, they won the game with 10 players on the field, and you'll hear Hugh Jackson talk about it and his emotions and why he was so emotional. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought this was a pretty good conversation conversation. Then I also ask about offenses and quarterbacks and just football in general. Uh, again, didn't want to take up too much of his time, but I thought it was a pretty good interview that you'd be uh, very interested to hear. Maybe take your mind off the of uh, the all current Raiders that are going on right now and kind of uh, sit back and reflect, especially if you've been a fan long enough, you can remember and probably respect those 2011 teams. So here it is, my conversation with former Raider and former Brown head football coach, Hugh Jackson. Joining me now on the phone lines is former Raiders and Browns head football coach, also longtime position coach in the NFL, Hugh Jackson. And coach, thank you so much for your time. And you're probably wondering what made me so hell-bent on wanting to have you on. And, and the reason is, is I was tweeting and sharing some ideas with some, some longtime Raider fans about that 2011 team. It came up and some of the characters you had on that team and the Raiders ended up 8-8 eight and eight that season. When you think back about that group, man, what made that, that group so special for the Silver and Black in 2011? Oh, wow. The, um, you know, we had tremendous leadership. I thought Jason Campbell had did a great job. Darren McFadden, uh, Richard Seymour, Cameron Wembley. Uh, we just, we had a bunch of guys who had, um, been around a little bit, um, had some success. We had some guys who were new to success. Um, but more so than that, we had a quarterback who kind of held it all together. I always felt that if Jason Campbell hadn't got hurt that season, that was almost like sky's the limit that you just don't know the answer because he did go down with that collarbone injury. No, absolutely. You know, he was playing some really good football. I uh, hated to see him get hurt uh, by far. I mean, because he was, he was the leader of the team. And then in comes Carson Palmer. Um, we thought, you know, we still had a chance and uh, just didn't get over the hump that last game. Yeah, no, it- it was unfortunate that you weren't able to get over that hump. But, man, that, that, again, that was a fun season. And, of course, when you think of 2011, 
the one image that always stands out is is you on the sidelines after that Texans game, and that was the day after Mr. Davis had passed away. The emotions on your face, you know, and only winning the game with only 10 guys on the field. Uh, I'm sure that memory pops in your head often as well. What are your thoughts on that game as it unfolded at the end there? Well, obviously, it will always be near and dear to my heart. Uh, because of Al, and I truly believe, and I said it then, I said now that Al was on that field. He was the 11th man, and uh, we were able to win that game. Uh, he he meant a lot to me personally and professionally. He meant a lot to a lot of our players personally and professionally, and so he's missed. And uh, but boy, it was it was a tremendous game against a really good Houston football team, and we were just glad to pull out the victory for Al. Yeah, that that was an awesome day. I mean, I can remember exactly where I was when that game happened and the way it ended, and Michael Huff coming up with that interception in the end zone. And and you mentioned Al being near and dear to your heart, personally, professionally. Uh, he gave you your head coaching, uh, you know, job as a head coach. Uh, what were what were your and you know what did Al Davis mean to you? Like, just kind of expand on that. Well, I think uh, people don't get that he was a unbelievable person, first and foremost. And, um, you know, just the things that were important to him, the conversations we had, it wasn't just about football. It's about family, faith and football and friends. And um, he was uh, people didn't know this, but he was really into music. You know, we could sit and talk about the Marvin Gaye's, the Luther Vandrosses, because <laughs> he he knew all of those. And so it, it was fun being around him when you had heard so many different other stories that, boy, this guy was hard to work for and to deal with. I never found that to be the case. And maybe I caught him at the right time or something, but he was really good to me. And I'm very thankful for it and I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, he, he always seemed from a distance that he really, really, you know, respected you a lot and, and loved what you brought to the table, even when you were just the offensive coordinator of the Raiders. And I always say that it takes a special dude to be a Raiders head coach. It's not for everybody. You know what I mean? You got to kind of be cut from a different cloth. And I always felt that you had that that edge to you that, you know, you, you were that guy. What did it mean to be a Raiders head coach? Well, I think you represent uh, the brand, you know, um, of the Raiders and, you know, and obviously when you think of the Raiders, you think of the fans, you think of the black hole, you think of some of the greatest players ever to play the game that, that wore the silver and black, you know, you think of Autumn Wynn, uh, you think of Al Davis. And so when you're, when you're the leader of that group, uh, there's a different type of pressure that comes upon you because you want to do it for so many different people, so many different factions of people who represent and support uh, the the uh, Las Vegas Raiders <laughs> brand. So it's um it's it's an unbelievable responsibility. I think you know John Gruden he's uh, managing the he can. Obviously, they're in a new city, uh, new stadium, new everything. Uh, but boy, I'm going to tell you something. That was some of the most special times in my life being a part of the Raiders brand. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Like I said, it just it takes a special dude, I, I think, to, to be a, a Raiders head coach for every reason that you just mentioned. Talking right now with former Raider head football coach Hugh Jackson. And, you know, coach, I always hear people say this team doesn't have enough weapons. This team doesn't have enough weapons. And I'm not just talking about the Raiders. I mean, just in general across the league. But you were always able to get the most out of your guys. Uh, Denarius Moore, Darius, Darius Hayward Bay, Jacoby Ford, Lewis Murphy, just to say a few. And it didn't really matter. You just... It's somehow you were able to find what they did really well, and, and you took advantage of that. What 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 made you have that ability to be able to do that? Well, I think that's just um, you know things I learned along the way. You know, I was around some really good coaches in my career, and you have to find ways to maximize what you have because sometimes 
you might not have the best and sometimes somebody might get hurt. You might have to put somebody else in. Uh, the harder, I think the harder part is when you start off and you don't have anything. <laughs> right. And then you're trying to maximize that. That makes it even harder. But boy, I, I like you said, I think back to my time at the Raiders. But when you get your hands on a Darren McFadden and Michael Bush and Darius Hayward Bay, who you mentioned, Jacoby Ford and, and Lewis Murphy, I mean, those are really good players, you know. Right. And so I, I was blessed with that and they had speed and they had tenacity and they wanted to be coached and so that made it really fun yeah and, and the one thing and the why, reason i mentioned those guys is because after they left the silver and black you know their careers one way or the other went to a different direction darius Hayward bay really ended up being uh, a guy who spent a lot of times on special teams but it just seems like you were able to maximize the most and get the most out of your guys maybe it was the fact that they just seemed like they love playing for you well and then that could be the case i i tried to do everything i could to put them in a position to be the best version of themselves and maximize their talent. And uh, that really worked for several of them. You know, Darius Hayward Bay being one, he had a tremendous season 2011. And uh, obviously, I I mean, he's been a receiver on some other teams, but hadn't been close to what he did that year. But it was because he worked extremely hard and he had talent, you know, and he did the things that we asked of him and he had success just like most of those guys. And you said it, they go to other teams and sometimes people don't see their value the same. And so they don't have the same success. But I know one thing, 2010, 2011, it was a bunch of guys that that had tremendous success and it was because of the team, the environment and exactly what we were trying to do with them. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's for sure. Talking right now, with former Raiders and Browns head football coach Hugh Jackson. And, you know, as you look across the landscape of the league right now and the offenses, the way that they're evolving, and you're seeing college coaches come in and have success like Kingsbury does in Arizona. You're seeing Patrick Mahomes kill it with the Chiefs and, you know, Lamar Jackson doing great things with his legs. Uh, the, the way offenses are, are, are evolving, is that sustainable in the league or do you think it will kind of go full circle and, and kind of fizzle out at some point? I think it's sustainable because you're going to have so many of these young, really good quarterbacks coming into the league. And I think it's turning into a younger league somewhat. But at the same time, the old tried and true is still going to be there as well. You're still going to be able to run the football and throw it straight, tackle well, and do all those things too. And you can Mickey Mouse people all you want, but when you play against these really good teams, they know how to shut all those things down. And, uh, you know, John Gruden, obviously the head coach of the Raiders, and, and he's he's got that that old school feel to him, but he's also incorporated some new school, uh, you know, uh, thoughts and concepts into his offense. But he's still, the, the butter gets bred by, or the bread gets buttered by uh, the run game, you know. And, and when you look at the Raiders and see the weapons they have, particularly like Josh Jacobs in, in that backfield, uh, what are your thoughts on just some of the weapons that they have right now that they're currently working with? No, I think they've done a great job of improving in the in that area. You know, Nelson Aguilar coming over, he's had a heck of a year. Uh, they got to get the young draft pick going. You know, Darren uh, Wallen, uh, he's had an unbelievable Weller. Well, I want to say his last name correctly. He had an unbelievable <laughs> season so far. I mean, he is as good as a tight end as there is in the league. And then, like you mentioned, the runners. You know, Jacobs is good. His backup is really good, and. I think they're starting to get uh, more and more talent that way. And I think the more they get, the better the quarterback position will play. This type of year, uh, it's getting near the end of the season, and there's always going to be some attrition. There's always going to be, you know, coaching jobs opening up and, and some moving and shaking going on around the league. Uh, what are your thoughts right now? Is there is there uh, you know a plan? Is is, is Coach Hugh Jackson uh, looking at some possibilities of of coming back and, and being a guy on the sideline with a headset again, or or how are you feeling Absolutely. about this upcoming season? 
<laughs> I can't wait. That's what I want to do in the worst way. You know, uh, I think it's time. It's time for me to go back out there and compete with these big time coaches because uh, it's a lot of fun. The chess matches is, is, is I love it. You know, that's just what you do. And then taking an organization and taking players and having them uh, play extremely well and chasing the same vision and alignment, collaboration together. I think I, I miss those things. So I'm looking forward to it. But I do think in 2021, I'll be standing on the sideline somewhere. Is that something, do you sit there and at the house or whatever and watch these games and kind of, okay, hey, I could take this and take that. Do you continue to reinvent yourself while you're sitting on the sideline? Oh, absolutely. You have to. You have to stay in the game. You have to know the new trends, you know, what the league is, is doing now. You said it earlier, there's a little bit more college feel to it. Uh, with the RPO schemes that people are using. Um, and But at the same time, you got to make sure you still have an, enough of the nuts and bolts that you want to coach because that's how you win and win consistently. Is, is there any situation that you look at that you think, hey, that would be good, or are you just going to kind of play it by ear? Well, I'm going to play it by ear, but, boy, you, there are some situations that would be great. You know, cause at the end of the day, you want to be with people that you know, that know you, that respect you and know your value and know what you bring to the table. So, I mean, there's going to be, as you said, several jobs, and we just got to see how this thing all shakes out. Absolutely. Talking right now with former Raiders and Browns head football coach Hugh Jackson. And final question for you, and I do appreciate your time this afternoon. Um, the, the days, in my opinion, of the pure pocket passer look like they're starting to slide behind us, even though there's obviously still some really good ones still in the league. But I've been kind of pounding the table that guys that can move, the Kyler Murrays, the Lamars, the Josh Allens, the Justin Herberts, those guys are really kind of taking over the league. Is that uh, what you're seeing as well? Or do you think that, you know, a really good pocket passer could still be a threat in the league? Oh, I, I see what you're mentioning, but I still feel there's still a place for the really good pocket passer as long as he's protected. If you protect those guys, they're still going to make those special plays. But what's happened is the defenses are so good. The quarterbacks who have that other dynamic of being able to move around, they make special plays happen because defenses are not really prepared for that because that's like having another runner on the field with the ball in his hands. So and who can pass it at the same time? So that, that could be dangerous to a defense. So that's what you're seeing. Um, I think that's where the league is somewhat heading. But at the same time, there's going to be these outliers of guys who don't have that kind of talent that can still stand in there and sling the ball all over the yard. Well, Coach, I, I definitely appreciate your time this afternoon. I appreciate you making some time for me. Uh, again, man, it's always fun to, to reminisce on, on those Oakland Raider teams that you were you were the head man for. And again, going back to 2011, uh, that, was a, that was a fun season and would have loved to have seen how it would have shaken out, like I mentioned before, if Jason Campbell hadn't got injured. And just because you had a nice cast of characters that were really, you were getting the most out of them. But uh, I do expect to see you on the sideline again, calling some plays, uh, whatever team it is. I know that they'll be in good hands. Uh, I definitely appreciate you, Coach. Have a great holiday hey thank you you too merry christmas and happy new year all right raider nation so there it was right there my conversation with former raider and browns head football coach hugh jackson and it's like you heard him say uh, he's trying he cannot wait till this season's over he's trying to get back on the sideline he loves to be on the sideline he wants to be a play caller wants to be that guy again head football coach in the league and you know there's a chance that he he, he might get that opportunity you never know so uh i thought he did some good things i thought he did some not so great things especially with the browns but i thought he did some really good things especially offensively i thought he, he was really good at setting people up uh in good position to again like i 
I said before, to maximize their talent and, and get the most out of them. So uh, there you go. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. That is the number. Before I get into it, though, I do want to tell you about Built Go. Right now you're saying, Built what? Built Go? Yeah, Built Go. It's from the makers of Built Bar. But what it is is it's going to help you get through your wall. And that wall could be mental. That wall could be physical. But it's that wall that you have each and every day when you're getting ready to go either to work or you're going to go work out or you're going to get on the court or you're going to whatever you're going to do. Or like me, jump on the radio and you need something that's going to give you that extra boost, that extra oomph, you know, that that extra energy that you might need. And well, Bill Go does that. And the good thing about it, unlike uh, energy drinks, the energy is not fake. It's, it's lasting. It's natural. It's good on your system. It comes in a very small package. You can put it in your, uh, in your glove box. You can put it in your pocket. If you're a female, you can put it in your purse. Whatever. It's made to be on the go, and you can use it anytime you want. It's almost like a five-hour energy without that same crash feeling. It's great on the body. Again, the energy is natural, so that, that's a good thing. Matter of fact, I had someone hit me up on Twitter the other day, and they had just got their package of Built Go, and they said, man, I'm about to go get my workout on. This stuff is incredible. It's great. So, uh, I mean, that's a good testimonial right there. That's that's what it'll do for you. It'll give you that, mm, that, that get up and go, and uh, everyone really needs that. It comes in three flavors that you could choose from, peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. Uh, Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing. It'll get into your system really fast, and it's very easy on your stomach. It's loaded with good stuff, and it'll help ignite your work. Uh, collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. So really, it's actually helping even make you look better. So who couldn't use a little bit of extra something-something, right? Go to BuiltGo.com. Visit BuiltGo.com. Again, that's the website. Promo code LOCKED. You're going to get 20% off your order. That's BuiltGo.com. Promo code LOCKED. And you'll get 20% off your order. One more time for the folks in the back row. Promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! Segment number three, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your time to shine, your calls, and your text straight off that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line, 707-654-4693. That is the number. Got a lot to get to. Don't know how much I'm going to get to because the show's running kind of lengthy right now. But let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, first up, we got a text from the 702. And before I get into it, got to sound the alarm one time because this text from the 702 comes from a new booty. Says Q. First time I've called or text your show. I'm a long-time listener. I just want to say I'm sick to my stomach. Can't score in the red zone. Defense, well, we all know the defense. Basically a dumpster fire. Been a Raider fan all my 37 years on this planet, and honestly, it never gets easier. Not too happy with Gruden's play calling lately, and honestly, the run game has been so-so. I'm so annoyed right now. Keep up the good work, and as always, Raider Nation for life. That's a text from the 702, a new booty here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Longtime listener, first-time texter. Definitely appreciate that, and uh, yeah, you know, I can't say you're wrong. You know, the red zone has been a problem lately. It's really been a problem. Uh, Gruden's play calling is great, 20s of 20. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, once it gets down to uh, the red zone and things tighten up, and look, Scott Goldbranson and myself, we talked to Hunter Renfro on Monday on Raider Nation Radio 920, and he said, yeah, if I had the answer, if Gruden had the answer, we, we could tell you. You know, it's just one of those things. The the You know, it gets tightened, everything uh, down there. The, the defense gets tightened up, and 
It's just hard to get into the, the end zone. I personally think that they should have used Marcus Mariota on, on Saturday in the red zone as an extra weapon, if nothing else, more in a decoy, you know, just to have him out there and say, this dude could run the ball. And I bet you when he gets in the game, hey, he's going to get the ball and they're going to ask him to run it. Well, maybe that could free someone else up. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of what they can do to make the red zone more successful because it hasn't been lately. And you're right about the run game. It's been so-so so far this year. You know, I, I, I'm a big Josh Jacobs fan, but he had 1,150 yards uh, his rookie year. And he's not, you know, he's not at that level right now. He's still close to 1,000 yards, and he'll probably get over 1,000 yards on Sunday uh, as long as he plays against the Broncos. But it's just not, you know, it's not the most effective season that we saw like we saw his rookie year. And that's unfortunate, you know, because I'm expecting more from him. But it just hasn't been, it hasn't been that each and every week, unfortunately for him. He hasn't had a lot of the, uh, the long runs that he had his rookie year. Right now he's sitting at 976 yards. So he's going to need 24 yards uh, to get over a thousand to get a thousand yards, but still he had 1150 in 13 games in his uh, his rookie year. He's played 14 games and has 976, and he has 16 16 is that right? Let me do my math right. Uh, six uh, yeah, 16 more carries than he did in uh, in 2019 already. So anyway, you, you're right about that run game. So thank you so much for that text. Appreciate you. Hopefully that's not the last time you text. And next time you do, let me know your name so I can get your name in there so I don't just call you a texter from the 702. All right, appreciate that. Uh, next up, we got a call. Let me go to PE in North Carolina. He's calling to talk about show and prove something that he talked about early at the beginning of the season. And then he talks about Derek Carr and what he feels about him now as the Raiders quarterback. Here he is PE in North Carolina. What's up, Tupac? What's up, Raider Nation? PE from North Carolina. Hey, Q. I'm not going to call in with a long call today, man. I, I just want to take it back to the beginning of the season to your, um, show and prove Q-tip that you had. Early on in the year, show improve, bro. Show improve. Uh, who do we have on the team that showed improve? You know, John Gruden is a used car salesman at best. He's a great hype man, Q. But once you get past the hype, he has no substance. It's just what it is. Um, you know, I hate to say that, but it's just the truth. Um, but I will say, I think, in my opinion, Derek Carr stepped up in a major way. Um, he proved a lot to me this season. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with Derek Carr moving forward. Like I said before, if this is the Derek Carr we're going to get, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Yes, he makes mistakes, but everybody makes mistakes. You know, uh, one thing he did do, he did, um, he did get gunshot, man, in the red zone after he threw that pick against Indianapolis. He doesn't really want to force it into a tight window in the red zone anymore. But, you know, he'll, I think he'll get over that. But all I wanted to say, Q, man, was show and prove. Who do we have on this team, the 2020 team, that showed and proved? Peace out, Raider Nation. P.E. in North Carolina, my man. Always good to hear from you. And I remember that call. I remember the Q-tip I did on Raider Nation Radio about that. Show and prove. And, and this was a season that guys had opportunities to show and prove, like you said. And I will say, the one guy I believe who did that, and I feel really good moving forward is a guy that you said you feel good about moving forward to is, is Derek Carr. I think he showed a lot. I think he showed improved a lot. He said he talked a lot before the season started about wanting respect, and I think he earned a lot of respect. Does he still have some warts? Yeah. He still have some areas he needs to clean up? Yeah. But he showed that he could be that guy. But the guy I really want to talk about, because like I said, you mentioned Derek Carr, the guy that I really think stepped up the most was offensive line coach Tom Cable. I mean, think about what he did with that old line when Trent Brown was out, when Richie Incognito went down, when Gabe Jackson got kicked out the game, when, you know, whatever, fill in whoever you want. When somebody went down, Tom Cable had pretty much most of the time an answer for it. 
and had a guy in there that was ready, ready and willing to take that spot. Denzel Good went down against Miami, and John Simpson, the rookie, had to come in. And yeah, I know he had a holding penalty and didn't have the, the best, cleanest game, but he's a you know fourth-round rookie, and he's working. But for the most part, they didn't really miss a beat. So I, I think Tom Cable, when you talk about show and prove, I think Tom Cable is a guy that we could say, yeah, yeah, he did that. He did the damn thing on that one. So uh, definitely appreciate uh, your, your call, and it's always good to hear from you, my man. Next up is a text from Obi-Wan Raider in Spring, Texas. And bear with me, because i got to clean this up and make it radio-friendly. But uh, he's pretty angry about what he saw on, uh, on Saturday night against Miami. He says, what up, Q? Short and sour tonight. F the whole damn defense. A bazillion emojis of poop and mad angry faces. And then he says, cut key, talking about Arden Key, right blanking now. For all the car haters, eat poop. What more do you want him to blanking do? Once again, this poopy-ass excuse for a defense Fs off the game at the end, just like the second damn Kansas City game. I trust you can clean it up for the radio queue and relay my message. Touchdown and it's over, plain and simple. That's from Obi-Wan Raider in Spring, Texas. I actually had fun trying to do that. <laughs> Hopefully you got the you got the gist of what Obi-Wan Raider was saying. And again, I, I talked about, you know, John Gruden deciding to kick that field goal at the end and go up two points and how at that moment the Raiders actually had a 99.8% chance of winning the game. Now we all know how it shook out. So, you know, <laughs> you can say what you want to say about that. But uh, I think it was the right call. I understand arguments on both sides, but I think it was the right call. It just didn't shake out and work the way that uh, Raider Nation and myself wanted it to happen. Uh, final call of the show is going to come from Little Underrater. I think that's what his name is, but I do know one thing about this young man. He's a new booty, and he's calling about the last offensive possession by the Raiders and the decision to sit on the ball instead of punching it in for a touchdown. And I'll just have to say that He's not a big fan, <laughs> but here he is. Uh, little underrater is what I believe that he says, and uh, you'll, you'll hear it, and so hopefully uh, hopefully, I'm getting his name right. But here he is calling in to talk about that last possession. Yo, Q. I mean, it's your boy, Little Underrater, and I'm a new booty. Bruh. <laughs> Man, we really kneeled uh, the ball. On third and go. <sighs> and he took three points to try and win the game. Look, man, I, you know, I consider myself a level hitter, regular fan, but this, uh, after last week and this week, man, this takes the cake. Um, defense played a lot better, so I'm not gonna hate on them. But, play calling you know I think we was in the red zone four or five times and we came away with one touchdown man that's inexcusable man we were 0 for 9 0 for 8 third downs it seems like every time this defense gets a little push the offense doesn't do anything and uh, man I'm low key tired of it man um, same old Raiders, I guess. <laughs> it's low-key laughable. At the end of the day, man, I hope, uh, you know, we figure out what defensive coordinator. Well, I really did okay tonight, but 
<laughs> running cover two <laughs> in the situation that we're in with 19 seconds left. And, you know, I don't know about that. Gruden, I don't want to say get rid of him, but Mark Davis got to do something. We got to hire off the coordinators for call plays. At least call plays in the red zone, man. We we can't keep losing like this. But it is what it is. Right mission for life. Little underrated, my man. Definitely appreciate that. Welcome to the show. And uh, I agree, man. The red zone offense was awful. Uh, again, I had no problem with them milking the clock, trying to give the Dolphins a little time left uh, to do something offensively because I didn't think that the defense was going to stop them, period. I mean, if they had punched it in for a touchdown and then had a minute, something left on the clock or whatever, I still think they would have scored and won. So it was it really all goes back to Carlson missing the extra point. Once that kick, well, that extra point was missed, man, the, the game was different. It was absolutely different. Uh, Arnett, Arden Key, they both blew it defensively with 19 seconds left. And, you know, again, it's, it's, it's a cover two. And cover two that I know is basically you're on the outside and you're redirecting the wide receiver into the middle because the middle can't hurt you. So that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to push him in the middle. Instead, Arnett allowed the guy to get behind him. And was he supposed to have safety help over the top? Absolutely. But you're not allowed or you're not supposed to let the wide receiver get behind you. You're supposed to push in, 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 and then get back to the boundary. And you're supposed to be on the boundary. That's how I see it. And that Arnett just didn't understand his assignment to the to where he was supposed to be at. Now, you could th- say that they should have been in a cover three where you make it so nobody ever gets behind you and you don't worry about pushing anyone in because in, in going in doesn't hurt you. And you could be right. But in that, in that instance, in cover two, it's supposed to be you push in, 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 and push yourself back out to the boundaries, and you stay, and you don't let someone get behind you. Uh, and, and yeah, so that's that's my thoughts on that. So that was that was on Arnett, obviously Arden Key for the penalty that he had to the the face mask. Like everything had to go wrong on that play for Miami to have that opportunity, and unfortunately for the silver and black, everything went wrong for them on that play. You know, and so it was just it was one of those things. It just stinks. Uh, the more and more you think think about it and look back at it, but it is what it is. So that's all I got t- uh, time for on today's show. Uh, I got a text from Mason from the 937. Want to get to tomorrow. Jordan from Oregon. He's got a good call. A text from Rome in Ogden, Utah. Uh, Going to get to his and, and plus some more feedback. Again, 707-654-4693. We'll start to turn our, our attention to the final game of the season, the Denver Broncos. You know, we got uh, two more days of, of, of podcast, and then the year is going to be closed out. I'd like to thank everyone who's been a, a part of the Locked On Raiders family in 2020. Uh, we got like one point, almost 1.8 million downloads this year, uh, which is up from 1.3 that we had last year. So uh, just thank you for every all the support. I think it's been amazing. I think it's been awesome. Uh, and, and we're going to go strong and hard in the paint and do even more bigger and better things in 2021. So uh, still got a couple more days left in this year and still got one more game to talk about, which will be the Broncos coming up on Sunday, which is January 3rd. So the Raiders will be playing in 2021. But it won't be a playoff game, so it is what it is. But thank you, everyone. Uh, make sure you take care of yourself. Make sure you wash your hands, wear your mask, social distance, do what you got to do, stay safe, and most importantly, as always, just win, baby.